0: Howdy, and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week six, day two of our study of Joshua. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Joshua 13:8 8-23. <music> welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you. We want to encounter you through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's go and jump into God's word. We're we reading today from the NIV. This is Joshua 13, starting in verse 8. The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, had received the inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. They extended from Aror, how on earth do you pronounce that now that's such a weird like word to actually have to say a R O E R who can say that a roar on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town of the middle of the gorge and included the whole plateau of Madeba as far as Daibon. And all the towns of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled Heshbon out to the border of the Ammonites. Now I'm going to tell you right off the bat here, we're going to look at some maps, and I'm not even going to try and put all of the names of the places. Like, I'm I'm not going to put all the towns in the next couple of chapters, because there's just too many of them. I mean, there's just too many, and, and half of them, we don't even know where they are anymore. And some of them are conjecture and things like that. So when you do these maps, it get so so uh, clustered up that you, you you can't hardly read them, especially the way I'm doing them here. And so we're going to look at kind of the bubbly maps of the lands of, of the people of Israel. So with that, let's go ahead and look over here at the what I'm calling the 12 tribes of Israel. And what's being described here right now is the land on the east side of the Jordan River. So we've got Manasseh here that's on uh, the east side. We know that Manasseh crosses over and is actually on both sides. Uh, you've got Reuben and Gad, and we know that they conquered the lands of Og and Sihon, the two kings on the east side of the Jordan River. And so that's what we're talking about there. But again, you'll see as we get into this chapter, if you've been reading ahead and reading through this 10 times in 10 weeks, you know that the names, they get they get pretty thick and they get pretty fast and furious as we're going through this. So I, I'm, I'm not going to have them on the maps. We're just going to have kind of what you're used to seeing when it comes to Bible maps, the the little bubbles of the different tribes, because we don't know exactly where some of the, we know exactly where some of the boundary lines are, but some of them are a little fuzzy from our modern accounting of it. Verse 11, it also included Gilead, the territory of the people of Geshur and Mecca, all of Mount Hermon and all Bashan as far as... Seleka, that is the whole kingdom of Og in Bashan who had reigned in Ashtaroth and Edri. He was the last of the Rephaites. Moses had defeated them and taken over their land, but the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Mecca, so they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. So, yesterday I talked about how you know, those the little bubble map. We'll go take a look at that here. There's this map where I showed you you've got the larger promised territory of Israel. Then you've got the modern state of Israel. And what we see here, you've got this land is actually what they conquered. And right now we're actually just kind of focusing on this land right here, the east side of the Jordan River. And even here is telling us, our author is telling us that they didn't conquer all of that. This is actually pockets of Canaanites uh, in, in their midst. And so they kind of lived amongst them. And so if I were to draw that map accurately, there'd be all sorts of holes in it and it would be really difficult to kind of visualize. And even then it's, it's, we're not fully clear on where some of all of these different cities are that they conquered and that they didn't conquer and so it gets very very complicated but when you kind of look at it like this you kind of get the 10,000 foot view and i think that's probably more important than anything else is just to be able to get that 10,000 foot view literally uh this may this this may actually be the 50,000 foot view quite literally of the of the region and i think as as we see that it kind of gives us a better picture of what they actually did and didn't do during this time period. Let's continue on verse 14. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised them. Now, we're actually going to that is a broad generalization. Yes, there was no inheritance. They didn't get one of these little land bubbles, but what they are going to get is they're going to get individual towns and cities that the Lord is going to give to the Levites scattered throughout all of Israel. And, and those are the cities that the Levites get to live in. They don't get a larger area, but they do get smaller little city state places so that they can have their land and livestock and things like that. Um, because they were provided for from the the temple and the tabernacle, but they also only went there, especially later on during the time of the the temple being in Jerusalem. They would go there, but only certain time periods during the year. They would kind of take rotations, and so then they would live off of their own little plots of land the rest of the year. Verse 15, This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Reuben, according to its clans the territory from Aror on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town in the middle of the gorge and the whole plateau past Medeba to Heshbon and all its towns on the plateau, including Dibon, Bemoth-Bal, Beth-Bal, Mion, Jehaz, Kademoth, Mepheth, Kiriatham, Sibma, Zerath, Shahar on the hill in the valley, Beth-Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, And Beth Jeshimoth, all the towns on the plateau in the entire region of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. Moses defeated him and the Midianite chiefs, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, princes allied with Sihon who lived in that country. In addition to those slain in battle, the Israelites had put to the sword, Balaam, son of Beor, who practiced divination. The boundary of the Reubenites was the bank of the Jordan. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Reubenites according to their clans. Okay, just said a whole bunch, but it's all solved if we just look at this map right here. And what we're talking about is uh, Reuben right here. So that's the land down there on the, the uh, east side of the Red Sea, not really, stre- or not the Red Sea, excuse me, the Dead Sea, not stretching much further down because down here we actually have the, uh, actually over here we've got Mobites and Edomites down here. And so the Israelites didn't conquer Edom at this time. And they didn't conquer the Moabites at this time either. Um, <clears throat> now, interestingly enough, in this area, let's see, I think somewhere right around here is the modern city of Amman, Jordan, in either Gad or Manasseh, right there. Actually, it's I think it's further down here. I think it might be right in here on the border of Reuben and Gad It's closer to the Dead Sea, I believe, but that is where the modern city of Amman, Jordan, is. And of course, we know that Damascus, uh, Lebanon, is up here. It's actually further north, and both of those giant cities in ancient times uh, actually were promised to the Israelites. Now, the one thing that I kind of brushed over here is it says that they they killed everybody that they found on the east side of the Jordan, but one person it, it it. It points out one specific person that they killed who practiced divination. If you remember the story from Deuteronomy, maybe you do or don't, but it's about Balaam and his talking donkey. There's this crazy story in Deuteronomy where, uh, maybe numbers, I can't remember now where the story is actually, but but Balaam is on his way to curse the Israelites. He's being paid to as this uh, diviner prophet, whatever you want to call him, to go and curse the Israelites. And every time he tries, he can't do it. Like he can't even get the words out. And all he can do is bless them. It's like the Lord takes over his voice box and all he can do is bless the Israelites as he's looking down on this massive camp of Israelites before they they kill uh, Og and Sihon and take over this area while they're kind of camped, ready to take over the east side of the Jordan. He's paid to try and curse them and he can't do it. And uh, finally, one day on his way there, he's riding on his donkey and his donkey turns to the right and turns to the left and he can't get him to go. And what what happened is the donkey happens to see this giant angel with this flaming sword going back and forth. He can see the donkey, can see the angel and Balaam can't. And um, eventually... The donkey, uh, you know, Balaam hits him a couple times, beats the donkey. He's like, keep going. And the donkey's like, why are you beating me? And the funny thing is, Balaam doesn't seem at all troubled. Like, oh my gosh, you're a talking donkey. He's just like, I beat you because I want you to go forward. And the donkey's like, I'm saving your life because there's this angel with a flaming sword that's going to kill you if I keep going straight, right? And so there's all of these super weird, supernatural things surrounding Balaam. But uh, we know... That that Balaam was at least somewhat like he operated in the supernatural realm, right? and and every time he's trying to prophesy doom over Israel, he prophesies their glory. But we also know um when you piece together several of the biblical narratives here, then it's actually not very straightforward, but it's it's kind of scattered throughout the biblical canon, if you will, that what Balaam actually did is when finally, when, The the king who's paying him to curse them, Balaam finally says, "I, I can't do it. I can only bless them. I can't curse them. And he leaves. And the king in desperation says, listen, I'll pay you any amount of money if you just tell me what to do to like vanquish them, to get rid of these guys. And finally, Balaam tells him, he's like, hey, listen, here's what you can do. If you get them to intermarry with your women, they will marry your women the, the foreign women and then they will start worshipping those, those gods. They will worship your gods and that will actually make their god, the god Yahweh, the one true god, that will make him jealous and he will actually destroy them for you. And so the king's like, oh, well, that works. And, and in the end, that's actually quite true. What Balaam tells them is very true. And we see in the book of Deuteronomy that actually happens is the, the elders of Israel start intermarrying with the foreign women and they start worshiping their foreign gods. I mean, right after coming at 40 years after coming out of Egypt, they start doing this. And the Lord actually breaks out a plague against the people of Israel. That's not Stopped until actually uh, two of Aaron's sons actually put to death several of the elders of Israel for leading the Israelites in this. And so we see that uh, it's not until the zeal of, I believe, Hophni and and Phinehas that we see that the Lord breaks this curse. But as retribution uh, essentially against Balaam, he has pointed out individually here by Joshua that they went and they found Balaam and they killed him. They put him to death. Um, They put him to death for teaching the the foreign king that this is actually going to be effective at, at causing God to be angry at them and destroy them, but also that he was someone who practiced divination. We see in the biblical account that the Lord speaks to him and through him, but that doesn't mean that he's like a prophet of God most of the way that Balaam made money was essentially talking to demons and evil spirits and things like that. And we know from the law that's absolutely not allowed. And so regardless of all of the blessings that Balaam prophesied over Israel, they're not going to let him live, especially not after being essentially the reason for them to have so much trouble as they're trying to conquer the nations on the east side of the Jordan River. All right. Well, that's all we have for today for the 10-Week Bible Study. I'm your host, Dan Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.